You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their You got Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, spring football time, still baseball time, still really good baseball time. Lots and lots of stuff to talk about time, whatever time of day it is, boys and girls. It's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Tuesday afternoon that's gotten a little bit better than uh, it was Tuesday morning, and it will will be for, for parts of Tuesday night. Had some uh, had some weather coming through the area as as happens this time of year. Uh, it was a it's a kind of a chilly morning the, this morning on Tuesday morning for Tennessee football practice, but we were there. Uh, and it was not just me who was there. We're going to go in just one second if I can get this thing right. We're going to go over to an undisclosed location and get the one, the only, Patrick Brown on his return to the podcast. He also was at football practice this morning, obviously, because he covers football for us. Pat, what's going on? Not much, Wes. Good to be back on the podcast. Is it? Is it like? Yes, I'm, I'm keeping a, a positive outlook on life. Uh, great that is awesome i am you know me a beacon a beacon of sunshine and positivity and joy well you'll never be the most negative member of the staff for sure true um so that that's a good start and uh speaking of which uh he will i think grant will be the only person we won't have on this episode because we're gonna have pat in the first segment and then jump over to Ryan in the second segment. Going to quickly, uh, before we dive into football, Pat, I'm just going to ask you, because we're going to talk more about this in the second segment, but what have you seen this season from Tennessee baseball? This has been, this team has been historically good to this point, ranked number one in the country, uh, I think 27-1 and one overall, won like 19 consecutive games, leading the country in just about every category that exists. What what have you seen from you from watching this team? A lot of ass kicking. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, you are. That much of no. a family podcast? No, no, no. That that that's allowed. We don't we don't we bleep out f bombs, and and uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I think we we bleep out all or most s bombs, but I think we can say we can say a bombs. Okay. Yeah, I, I remember you guys had a there was a bleep out on the uh, on the Nico podcast. Yeah, had to have one. That was a BFD. Um, but no, yeah, I mean, they just uh, – they seem to have pitchers who cannot be hit, and then they have dudes who just mash the ball. And so they've come uh, – so far in SEC play, they've played three, I would say, established maybe powers in the SEC. Yeah. You know, South Carolina and Vanderbilt all have won national titles in the last decade. Um, you know, Ole Miss is good every year, and Tennessee has just come and – kick their ass and take their lunch money and rub in their face and flaunt and taunt, and, you know, flaunt it and taunt it and all that stuff. And it's, it's gotta be fun to watch for, for Tennessee fans. That's for sure. Yeah. The, uh, I, I think the, the latest, um, I've seen some, some, some of those massy like uh, projection polls say this is one of the most dominant college baseball teams ever, at least to this point in the season. And, I can tell you that since the SEC split uh, into two divisions in 1992, uh, the nine—I think the 1994 Florida Gators started off 10 and 0 in SEC play, and that is the best start in conference history. And Tennessee is now at 9 and 0, and it hosts Mizzou this weekend. Now Mizzou did beat uh, South Carolina in a series last weekend in Columbia. Uh, west uh, out there uh, that was the battle of the columbias um, but tennessee will be has a really good chance uh, at least to uh 
to break that record. The Vols host um, Lipscomb on Tuesday night. It's going to be some wet weather, but, you know, they have turf there. They can play. So I'll be there covering that game. Hopefully no delays. Knock on wood. And we'll have plenty more coverage on that. We're going to talk a little bit more uh, baseball in the second segment because I know everybody wants to talk about it after, especially after going to Vanderbilt and sweeping the doors in their in their home field. That that means a lot to a lot of people in this state and a lot of Tennessee fans across the the country, the world, et cetera. So we'll talk more about that in the second segment. But we're going to dive in to spring football right now because there were so many questions that I think a lot of us had about Tennessee football because the first season under Josh Heupel went better, I think, than most people expected, uh, or at least it didn't go worse, really, I think, than anyone expected. The Vols were really exciting to watch, uh, almost had a couple big wins, almost had a couple of really big wins, but needed some things addressed uh, on the defensive side of the ball especially, uh, if you want to nitpick, there's some things there on offense, but a lot of work to do defensively. And unfortunately, uh, one position that's going to be really important for Tennessee, a lot of those guys are banged up and they're not out there this spring. Um, but, Pat, let's go, I guess, each side of the ball. Sort of what, what have you seen, what have you liked about Tennessee's spring camp so far? I, I like just the vibe around the program. I know that's, that's maybe not what people want to hear. Um, just the – the program is established. Like these guys know what to expect when they come to the complex every day. Um, I, I think this team is, is a workmanlike bunch. Uh, I think they've got decent leadership, um, particularly on the offensive side of the ball with guys like Hendon Hooker, mm-hmm. uh, guys like Jerome Carvin. We, we, you know, we even heard last week, Addison Nichols, a freshman who they threw in at center is, is getting a lot of help from Cooper Mays. So even some of those guys that aren't, you know, haven't been here for, you know, four or five or six years are, are stepping up and helping out their teammates and, um, we, we've heard Josh Heupel and several coaches talk about it, how guys are coaching other guys. Um, and, and that's something that you want to see in a, in a program. And that's something that, you know, compared to a year ago, Tennessee was just, everything was just being kind of felt out last year with, with the new staff coming in after uh, the way the off season was. But um, I, there's just, there's, there's a good vibe in the program. I, I think this, this team is focused on, on getting better and that's what spring football is about. It's about individual improvements, about collective improvement, um, and, and, you know, you really don't know the true value of a spring until you get to the season, which is why some of these questions that, that Tennessee is trying to answer, you, you find out some things, right. But you're not going to know for sure. Right. Like, you know, you hear good things about Jalen Hyatt or uh, a Christian Charles on the defensive side of the ball, but you know, what, what's that going to look like? What's that going to translate into? And um, I think Cedric Tillman is a great example of what spring football can do for players. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a guy that, that Josh Heupel talked a lot about last year, just about every time he talked, talked about how uh, through the three different, you know, the thirds of spring practice, because you get 15 practices, every five practices, he was getting better. Um, and and sort of, we saw how that, that played out on, on the field last fall. So um, the, yeah, that that's probably the biggest thing is just, you know, there, there's sort of a workmanlike mature approach really in this program. Um, that you get from from just watching them work um, and watching the coaches interact and the players interact and listening to the, to the coaches and the players talk. Yeah, you know, it's weird and good that you mentioned the thing about Tillman because I had a, a weird thought about that. There were so many times uh, during the Fulmer era and, and then, then a few times during the, the, the successive eras after that that you would hear a lot about a player in spring camp. And by the time fall camp started and by the time the season started, it really didn't matter um, because a lot of those guys that were kind of spring superstars, you didn't really – it's not like they became stars on the team the next year. There was no direct correlation there. And that, that never meant that spring practice or spring camp was unimportant, but it didn't seem like – all those guys really turned into kind of stars. And, and it happened so many times that last year when when Heupel came in and he kept talking about Tillman all the time, he would say, Cedric Tillman, Cedric Tillman, Cedric Tillman. He said it every time he could talk how impressive that kid was. And in the back of my mind, I didn't really dismiss it, but I didn't really – I still didn't expect him to come out and be the kind of player he was. And, and so – it's it's kind of like you you'd been desensitized in the past to thinking about things like that, and, you know. And 
And the flip side of that is, you know, Jimmy Callow is a guy that got talked about a lot last spring too. And I think he was a guy that at one point was running with the first team um, during the spring and uh, it, it didn't quite work out for him last season. And, and something that, um, you know, you know with, with young players and, and Tennessee's got a lot of newcomers this spring that, you know, it's a good looking group, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got to hear from a couple of them and, and they're, they're impressive. Um, a lot of maturity, I think, with, within those freshmen. But you never want to play him too early, right? And, and we heard Brian Jean-Marie talk about this a little bit after Tuesday's practice in relation to Elijah Herring, who's one of those guys that really looks the part. Um, you, you don't want to kill a guy's confidence. And, you know, in the case of uh, maybe Callaway and, and maybe Holiday, or, you know, maybe – or not Holiday, Jimmy uh, Jalen Hyatt last mm-hmm. season, maybe yeah. they had some ups and downs early in the season in those four September games um, that when Tennessee went to those three vets – Tillman, Bayless Jones, and Javante Payton. That's when the offense took off. It, it seemed like maybe those young guys were probably thrown in there before they were ready. And so, um, but yeah, that, you know, and that's probably what happened with Callaway, but that, that's, that's, you know, and, and to build off your point about sometimes things happen in spring and then they stay in the spring. I think Tennessee secondary is a good example because they've got so many guys out. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some things that, that they're doing, you know, guys playing out of position, just out of necessity or, um, you know, guys getting looks at different positions. Uh, and that, that may end up translating to the fall, but it may not. I mean, Trayvon Flowers might play star in the fall, but it seems like he's probably going to play safety, right? I would say Christian Charles, at cornerback, that may have some legs to it, though. Yeah, yeah to, it might. It might. Um, you know, the way Josh Heifel talked about him after the scrimmage and the way that uh, Jalen McCullough and Trayvon Flowers, I mean, Trayvon lit up when he was talking about uh, Charles earlier today talking about just how he's you know, such a natural player at cornerback. And that's where, that's where he was going to play on the previous staff. But yeah, I, I would say, you know, biggest takeaways and I've got a couple of pieces up on the site uh, yesterday and, 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 and Tuesday. Um, what have we learned? And, and maybe a little bit of a depth chart. Um, the, the biggest takeaways is there seems to be some of those are encouraging signs at wide receiver. That's obviously, you know, they have a couple of big, big pieces to, to fill, you know, to fill there and, um, you know, you know, Jalen Hyatt's done some good things. We've read some good things about a couple of those freshmen and Chaz Nimrod and, and Squirrel White. Uh, Ramel Keaton and Jimmy Holiday seem to be progressing nicely on that outside position opposite of Tillman. And uh, certainly Tennessee seems to be in good shape with, with Brew McCoy, the uh, linebacker looking wide receiver transfer out of USC. That's, so, a, that's a big dude. Um, when he was at, when he was at practice not long ago, Pat, that's a, that's a big dude. <laughs> yeah. You, you immediately saw him from across the field. Um, and just how big he is. But um, I, I would say that's maybe a takeaway on offense. The takeaway on uh, another takeaway on offense, what they're doing on the offensive line with flipping Darnell right back over to right tackle. Uh, and, and Jeremiah Crawford looks to be sort of leading that race at left tackle. Um, I, you know, it, it, it was, it, it was maybe not, you know, they had four starters coming back. You thought, okay, are they, are they really going to keep all of those guys in the same spot? You thought they might on the interior, um, but there was always the chance maybe they tinkered with uh, those tackle spots, whether it was flipping right back over and bringing it a transfer or whatever. Um, but it seems like, you know, the way they're sort of looking at that option there and maybe opening that, uh, that left, that left spot open for Crawford and, and Gerald Mincy, the, the transfer from Florida. Um, and that, that's going to be a race that's going to go on. And defensively, the big question is really the secondary and how they're making that work. And then also, you know, what can they get out of, uh, some of the guys up front, you know, listening to Brian Jean-Marie talk on Tuesday, he said, we got to be better at linebacker. And, and I think we, everybody knows that. I think yeah. everybody knows up front, they've got to uh, get after the quarterback more effectively. Um, so, you know, heard, heard a lot of good, you know, you hear a lot of good things, a lot of, you know, optimism and hope or whatever with, with Byron Young and, and a healthier Tyler Barron and maybe some of the guys in the interior. So um, those are some of the, the early takeaways and, and it's good to hear from these assistant coaches. I, I got to give Tennessee some credit for letting those guys talk. Uh, I know for Josh Heupel, it means he doesn't have to talk as much and, and we get maybe better updates on, on how certain players and position groups are, are progressing by getting to talk to the guys that are in charge of them uh, over the course of, of these four weeks. Yeah, that, that, that is something that's really nice and something you don't get everywhere. And, you know, I think it's easy for, for those of us who do what we do to, criticize when those things aren't there and then just kind of don't say anything when they are there. And I've always thought that if you're going to criticize something, uh, then, then when the flip side of that happens, you should probably give a, some, some uh, 
kudos or as Fulmer might say, kadoos to uh, to to the people who who do that. So thanks you, thank you to Hypo and and to to Bill Martin and all those guys who who get that done. That is nice and. I agree about some of the things they need to do. I, I did like hearing Jalen McCullough on Tuesday morning uh, when he was asked specifically, what would you like to do better? What are you trying to do uh, a lot better this spring? And he said, open field tackling. And if you watch Tennessee safeties last season, uh, <laughs> that's probably the number one thing on the, on the list. Uh, and, and for both of them to, or at least for, for one of them to publicly acknowledge that, uh, that is a big deal because when you watched last season, uh, Tennessee, usually when they kept you in front of them, they were doing pretty well defensively, right? They were kind of they, they they were they were getting some tackles for loss, but really what they were doing was they were making the plays that were in front of them to make. However, on the back end, uh, there were some poor angles, uh, some some poor finishing, uh, really just poor technique. Uh, and that really hurt the team on a couple of occasions. They needed everybody knows that the, that replacing Elante Taylor at corner is is a, is a challenge, right? And and it's unfortunate that they don't have a lot of their their and big Theo guys Jackson there. And, as well. Yeah, and, and Theo Jackson as well. It's weird because when you talk about the safeties and you break, the DBs and you break them down by positions, it's kind of like three separate groups now because nickel's kind of its own thing. And yeah, yeah. That, that's a huge one to replace. But the safeties, they're coming back, but they need to be better. Like they're, they're, everyone in the program knows those are two great kids that come in every day to work, put their hard hat on, put in a good shift. They're, they're good teammates. They're, they're good leaders. They'll talk up. They know the defense. They just need to, when the lights come on on Saturday, Pat, they just need to play better. They need to do more. And I would throw linebacker in there as well. I mean, yeah. those are those are four positions right up the middle of the field where you you can clearly get better. Um, and, and I know people are you know hype up some of the new guys and the newcomers and some of the other options, but until further notice, it's it's probably going to be the same guys, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because that's just how those positions work. Coaches aren't going to put uh, a linebacker who's not ready to play in there. He gets out of his gap, and a run play goes for twenty five yards or not going to put a safety in there and he busts a coverage and it's a touchdown right that's just not how that's not how coaches are wired um so there might be a guy it's the it's the age old you know do you play a a younger guy who might be more physically gifted or do you go with the the veteran who will be in the right place but is maybe a little bit more limited and and then you know it's easy to say certain things about guys like like flowers and mccullough but then uh you know you just had an example in Theo Jackson and say, well, one of those guys could be the next Theo or one of these guys could be the next Tillman where yep. they don't do anything for multiple years. And then they play just really, really good football. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think linebacker is a little more volatile. Uh, you know, Jawan Mitchell, uh, John, because uh, John Marie had some good things to say about him today. He's not physically fit, uh, not physically 100 percent after undergoing shoulder surgery in the fall. Uh, he's, he's only doing non-contact stuff this spring, but just him saying that he's more locked in and, and he's more bought in. That was obviously uh, a question mark with Mitchell because he, at one point there in the fall, it wasn't a given that he was even going to be back with the program. So that's true uh, for him to be locked in. He's a guy that led Texas, uh, led Texas and tackles easy for me to say uh, back in 2020, he's got power five, big 12 experience. Um, and, and the version you maybe saw of him early last season maybe wasn't what he was at Texas because I don't think he was healthy because I think he came pretty much got here with that, that shoulder injury. Yeah, so, he was damaged goods uh, when he arrived. Correct. Right. And then, you know, maybe a guy like Herring is a guy that the staff is really high on, but you just got to be patient with him because that's a tough position for a freshman to come in and play, even though he looks like, I don't know if he looks like a million bucks, but he looks like probably $750,000 sure. Um, yeah, he does. And, and so – you know, safety, what do they do, you know, with, with Charles maybe coming on the way he is, does he stick a corner? Do they, do they look at one of those safeties elsewhere? Because both, both McCullough and Flowers are um, getting some reps at the star. That's probably just out of necessity based on who the bodies that they have this spring. But, you know, do they slide one of those guys down and play Charles at safety? Does he, you know, they throw him in the mixed corner. Then you've got, Wesley Walker, the, 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 you know, the transfer commitment from Georgia tech, he's a star safety kind of guy. Where does he fit in? 
Um, they're in it for Quincy Riley, the, the cornerback out of NTSU. The secondary right now, I mean, that, that thing is going to look very different now. Uh, that thing is going to look very different in the fall compared to, this, to now. So, um, yeah, well, but yeah, that's and to echo what, what McCullough said, you've heard a lot of that from different coaches and players this offseason. Everybody knows the, the handful of things Tennessee has to do better. You, you know, they're going to make big plays on offense, you know, they're going to run the ball well. Um, you know, the Hendon Hooker is going to be, uh, you know, what you're going to get from them, but they have to get better in short yardage to sustain more drives, they have to give up fewer sacks to avoid getting behind the chains and, and getting their rhythm disrupted because this offense is so built on rhythm. And tempo uh, they have to be able to get first downs to go fast um, and then defensively it's third down defense and, and everybody knows that. everybody knows the things that, that they need to work on and that sort of circles back to just the sort of the workmanlike approach in this program and, and the vibe of this program that nobody seems to be satisfied right and we heard it from Rodney Garner earlier this spring he's like yeah we we might have overachieved some last year but nobody came here to go seven and six um, and, and that's that's sort of and it's not just him that's sort of relaying that message. It's it's in every other part of the program. So I, I think that's what you want to hear. Um, and, and and I think Tennessee is doing more than just talking that talk. I, I think from watching and, and even the little bit we get to see and listening and uh, and taking what these coaches and players are saying at their word, it sounds like uh, they, there's action to back up what uh, they, they've talked about in terms of, of wanting to take the next step, which a lot of people are, are hoping and optimistic and are varying, varying levels of optimistic about them being able to do in 2022. Yeah. Last thing I got before we get out of here here in a, here in a minute is for the first segment anyway, is that there were so many things last season that were at least from, from this vantage point, And I, from, from that, I mean, sort of the media standpoint, the people around the program. And I, I would say with, I would cautiously say among a, a hefty percentage of fans, too, I, there were so many good things that were out there, but there were a couple of things last season on that team that actually were disappointing, that they were not quite as good maybe as you thought they could be. And number one for me on that list was the safeties. Uh, just week to week watching them, they did make some plays, uh, yes, but – uh, McCall is a guy who I don't, he's never going to win a 40 yard dash. Uh, I think some of his limitations are, I don't want to say understandable because you always want to be better, but, but there are things that I understand that some of the receivers in this league, he's just not going to go stride for stride with the guy who probably disappointed me the most at times was flowers because he's a guy who, you know, ten, two, two Tennessee coaching staffs now have raved about how good he could be. And we have seen at times in flashes throughout his career how good he could be. He had some injuries. They were a big deal. They cost him the better portion of two separate seasons at Tennessee with, with just nasty injuries. And that that is what it is, and that's unfortunate. But he was okay from that standpoint last season, didn't have any major, major injuries that we knew of. And just on a week-to-week basis, I just expected more. There were so many positions on the field, Pat, where Tennessee did as much or, in a lot of cases, even better than what I expected. That was one area, though, where I just was – I thought it was kind of a letdown last season, and I think there's more to those guys, and I hope that they show it. Is that far off the map, you think? No, I don't think think that's far off. I mean, I I think, again, when you went 7-6, and even if nobody expected you to go 7-6 – and you, you you did better than people thought, but you still were as as Brian Jean Marie put it, a little bit better than average, right? Yeah. So that's you know that that's the mindset I think that everybody's taking in this program is that okay if that's over, you know we can be proud of it. We took a lot of progress, yay progress, good job everyone. It could have been a lot worse given where we were this time a year ago, but now it's it's a new year, it's a new team, it's got new leaders. Um, and there's, you know, there, there's, there's different questions to answer. And, and you know, this team is going to have its own identity, although I'm sure the way they want to play is not far off from how they played last year. And, and certainly there's several positions on the roster, uh, really everywhere, that, that maybe short of quarterback. Because Hennon Hooker was pretty daggum good last year. Yeah, he was. Um, Especially when he was dinged uh, up late and, in the and he was still good. And, and that's, I mean, Tennessee's going to go into, what, every game probably thinking that they've got, 
the advantage there. So that they can, uh, that's reassuring, but you know, every position, whether it's, and they're pretty good at receiver, but again, two of those guys are gone. So you got to find new guys. You got to find a new tackle. Um, you need depth here and there. All these different things are, are at stake for this team in the spring and, and moving on in the summer. And, and that's that I think the way they're approaching it is, is encouraging for uh, the short term and the long term as well. You know what's encouraging for these listeners of this podcast, Pat, is I think that they get to hear your voice now more frequently. We've gotten through basketball season. Uh, we're headed into spring football and then then summer, which is basically, you know, off season for everything, but a lot of focus on football. And then football season. So uh, we've given you your couple, uh, basically a couple months of uh, podcast leave, and now you're back and you're stuck with us. And uh, we, at least on this end, are, are happy about it, my man. We're happy. Well, there is no off-season in college football. We all know this. We've been around. Um, and that's the good news. The bad news is for the listeners is that now they have to listen around Callahan. So, sorry, everyone. Yeah, that's that's a good point. We'll, we'll probably end the first segment there because when we come back, we will have Ryan Callahan, unfortunately, for, for everyone out there in the world. But uh, we got Pat for one segment, so that's good. So, Pat, welcome back, man. And, uh, and uh, we, will, we will see you, I imagine, later this week or, uh, or next week. Yes, sir. All right, guys, we'll take a quick break, come back and talk a little bit of Tennessee football and Tennessee baseball and probably, I imagine, Tennessee recruiting with Ryan Callahan after we step away for a quick second to pay some bills, listen to products, services, in-house ads, et cetera, here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. And now we're going to go, uh, in just a second, we're going to go across town to that uh, that home daycare center run by the one and the only Ryan Callahan. Before we do that, though, just a quick reminder, guys. Uh, if you uh, could take about, let's say, a minute, a minute and a half out of your day right now and do something to help us out a lot, we would really appreciate that. If you could go in there and if you could mash the subscribe button on this podcast, if you're just listening on the website, we love you. Nothing wrong with that. However, what helps us the most is if you go on there on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world you can cast a fine pod, you can find this very Go Balls 24-7 podcast, which we do for free, and we're happy to do that. It's a labor of love, no problem at all. But what really helps us out is if you rate and review this podcast that gets it out there to more people so we can add more wolves to our wolf pack and we can keep this thing going. So if you're already doing that, thank you. We love you. If not, go yourself. That's that's the motto. That's that's what it is. Uh, It's been said enough now and uh, has surprisingly not been complained about to this point by anyone. Uh, so including our bosses, which maybe they haven't heard it, um, but that's the motto, and uh, that's what we're going with. So please do that. That helps us out a lot, and it is appreciated. And you can always go to GoVols247.com to get the best the best news on every Tennessee sport, basically, that exists on all of Al Gore's internets, GoVols247.com. 
Com. Now, let's go across to that home daycare center and get to the one and the only Ryan Callahan. Ryan, my man, what is going on on this uh, wet Tuesday here in Knoxville? Yeah, not not a whole lot. Just, uh, well, uh, I guess we're we're in the calm before the storm of what's going to be a pretty pretty busy weekend. But, yeah, been, been a fun time uh, for, for Tennessee baseball. This is – we're not used to having a lot to talk about uh, in, in April besides spring football practice. But here we are, and it's a, it's a baseball town now, right? Yeah, I mean, you started last season, um, and again, and I think because of the pandemic and so many other reasons, uh, basketball season just not going – at the tail end the way anybody wanted it to you had Tennessee fans were just kind of in a spot right there was a everything had gone wrong with football uh, and there had been a new coach that had to be put in again uh, you had a basketball season that that looked like a top five maybe potentially final four team and then it just Fulkerson got hurt again inconsistencies and bowed out of the tournament early and there was frustration there and then that baseball team came along and it, it wasn't the most talented, but it did have talent, but it just had charisma. It had toughness. It had grit. It had uh, marbles, for lack of a better word. And it just competed its tail off, and it ended up winning the SEC East, uh, running through the NCAA tournament, getting to the College World Series, and it just became a great story. But now... It's like all of that stuff from last year is still there, but there's more talent, uh, much more talent. Uh, and Tennessee is right now 27-1, and 9-0 and in the Southeastern Conference. And for, for, for perspective on that, since the league expanded in 1992, went to two divisions, went to a 30-game schedule – 1994 Florida had a 10-0 start, and that was a really, really good Florida team, I believe. Uh, and it went 10-0 to start SEC play. That is the best start uh, in conference history from that point. And Tennessee is 9-0 and hosts Mizzou this weekend. And Mizzou did beat uh, South Carolina down there in Mizzou and Columbia West last week. Uh, so that was a big weekend for Mizzou. That team's been been feisty, and, and you know Tony Vitello, uh, a Mizzou alum, uh, will not try to overlook those guys. Um, but and they and they got to play Lipscomb here in a few hours before that even happens. But a chance to be have this historical start, and they've done almost all of it without the guy who was supposed to be their ace in Blake Tidwell, another one of their biggest arms in Mizzou transfer, Seth Halverson. You know how badly he would like to be back this week if he could. Uh, and they're just mowing through people. Going to Oxford, Ryan, and sweeping Ole Miss is ridiculously hard to do. Uh, Mississippi State did it a couple years ago. Not a lot of people have ever done it. And then Vandy going to their the next weekend to the Hawk in Nashville and sweeping Tim Corbin and his Commodores had not been done since 2009, I believe, when Tennessee did it. And, and so so you've had, since then, no one had done that. And you put those on back-to-back weekends and doing it the way they're doing it and rubbing it in people's faces. Ryan, this team just, it's almost like you can't take your eyes off this team. Yeah, I, you just wonder when it's going to end uh and, and and really it won't end i don't think but when are they finally going to lose a game that's <laughs> what is it going to take uh because we're not, we're not used to seeing this like in college baseball usually you have a clunker here and there or or even not not even that just a day where someone someone just gets to your to your good pitcher and and just roughs him up a little bit uh especially in the sec and we've not seen that their, their starting rotation even without tidwell as you said has been dominant uh just putting up crazy historic almost numbers um and 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 then their offense is really good which I, I i thought is where they would maybe take a step back this year but they've they've had no trouble replacing what they lost from a year ago and they're i i have no comparison for what we've seen i've tried to compare this i, I don't know if you can even compare prime tennessee football in the 90s to what we're seeing now in terms of dominance because what you're looking at is Tennessee's not just the number one team in the country. They're, they're number one with an asterisk right now. Like they're, they're clearly the best team in the country at the moment. Now it's early April, but this looks like a team that absolutely can win a national championship. And, and when's the last time we said that about, you know, any Tennessee team being this dominant, you know, they've had some teams, a couple teams in basketball ranked number one, but 
but nothing like this, nothing where we looked at a team and just said, this looks like clearly the best team in the country. And it's, it's just one, I just wonder what it's going to take for someone to finally beat this team. Cause it will happen. I'm sure they will lose a game at some point, but you know, are, are we looking at a team that could win 27 sec games or something like that? Like, will they lose an sec series considering their two toughest ones are already out of the way? I, I don't know. I'm not sure what to expect, but I, I think it's fair to start asking those questions. What is the realistic ceiling for what this team could accomplish in terms of total wins and, and sec wins on the way to what looks like a pretty deep postseason run potentially. Yeah. And, and you look at for people who don't know this, and I think most people do know this. Most people who are even casual sort of Tennessee football and basketball fans, sec baseball. The only thing that I can really compare it to is, is sec softball in terms of sort of any sport anywhere, just how dominant one conference is, uh, the SEC in baseball is absurd. And Tennessee doing what it's doing and making some of these teams look the way that these teams have looked. You know, uh, South Carolina, it, it, I think in between those Tennessee, that Tennessee series had like beaten Texas in a series. And then the next weekend had a big SEC win series. And in the middle just got destroyed by Tennessee. Th- there are computer rankings. Uh, you know, Massey, who and a lot, a lot of people know this, does a lot of you know football stuff, a lot of stuff in other sports. Just kind of a stat cruncher in terms of teams and their efficiency. Right now, Tennessee's Massey rating, the 2022 Vols, it's a 9.71, the second best that that this team that that has ever been computed since 1945 is 2017 Oregon State, which went 56 and six. In, in the season, and that was a 9.35. We're talking 9.71 to 9.35. And then beyond that, you're talking about teams that are 9.32, 9.2992. So you're talking half of a percentage point, basically, or four-tenths. That, that is ridiculous. Tennessee has 11 more home runs than any team in the country. Its ERA is by far the lowest in the country. Its whip rating is by far the lowest in the country. Uh, Walks issued, number one nationally. Uh, Strikeout to walk ratio, not even close. Tennessee's got 5.25 strikeouts for every one walk that it has thrown this season, which is bananas. I think only one other team has, has it above four. It is what we're seeing right now. It's the kind of thing that's, so good, I don't think it can be sustained. Now, that doesn't mean you can't still be the best team in the country. But what we're talking about right now is Tennessee being one of the best teams college baseball has ever had. And, and it's so hard to wrap your brain around that because those of us, and, and Ryan's been covering Tennessee athletics you know, nearly as long as I have. And when you've covered one program or one school for so long, you get into this thought process where – unless you're covering like an Alabama football and you've seen it year after year, it's hard to compute that what you're seeing, especially in basketball and baseball, where there's 350 division one programs, a lot of them are good, can beat anybody. You look at what you see and you think, is this really the number one team in the country of all these 340 or 350 other teams? Are you sure there's not at least one team that's better? There's potentially a hole here, potentially a hole there. So, so you want to guard against getting people's hopes too high and you want to guard against sort of a um, sort of isolating things and putting them in a vacuum because there's lots of good athletes everywhere around the country. And, and and I don't know if people, I'm trying to make people understand this, Ryan, is that it's hard to look at what you're seeing and think this is by far the best collection of talent, the best team in the country. And what Tennessee's doing right now. It, you want to guard against it, but what you're seeing, the evidence empirically states that it is. It's best, the best pitching in the country, the best offense in the country, uh, leading the nation by a mile in slugging percentage. Uh, you know, defense has a, had a couple of rough moments here or there, but basically on a, any given day is as good as any defense in the country. It's a little bit ridiculous, Ryan, what they're doing. They took a left fielder and put him at catcher, and he'd never really caught before. And he's serviceable there. I mean, that was the potential hole. And Evan Russell threw a guy out last week, uh, you know, on a, on a nice play uh, against Vandy, and they're not running all over Tennessee anymore. It's been ridiculous what this team has done. 
It is. And, and that play by Russell, you mentioned, was a really nice play that, you know, showed his athleticism, I thought, and, and, and being a former outfielder probably helped him there. But yeah, it's, it's the depth of the lineup, you know, that I think we are naturally inclined to be a little on the cautious side when we see a start like this, because we've seen some good teams at Tennessee before in, in all sports, we've yeah. seen baseball teams go to the college world series under Rod Delmonico, obviously, and even last year's team. We've seen teams uh, get off to nice starts. We've seen teams accomplish big things. So you you keep expecting to see some some cracks uh, at some point start to develop. The, this team's just got some real depth to it, and and not just that, but they've got uh, they've got some really impressive top end talent that that is what you need to win a championship these days. Uh, that that's what I think some of Tennessee's past teams that have made the College World Series have been a little bit short on, you know, just not enough great players in some cases to, to win a championship. This team looks like it's got the, the depth in the lineup and the depth now in pitching to really make a run at it. Uh, now, again, that you can be the best team in the country all season and not win the college world series. It's one of the toughest championships to win in college sports because, you know, one bad day, suddenly you've got to fight your way out of the loser's bracket and, and it's tough. Uh, so all, keep this in perspective. There's no guarantee of anything and injuries and all those things can still come into play over the next two months. You never know what will happen, but this team has, has probably what five guys, once everyone's healthy, capable of starting and being very effective in the rotation. Um, That's what you need. I would even say Mark McLaughlin is in that group too. I mean, it could be as as many as six guys that you feel and Sewell, maybe even seven. Like there's, there's a lot of guys you feel pretty good about. Well, and that's what you need because, you know, again, in the College World Series, you might lose a game and you might have to fight your way back from from uh, being a one-loss team early in, in that if you make it that far. And, uh, you know, you've got to have some depth to get through a, an SEC tournament, a, a three-game series, and a and a Super Regional. You, you need depth. So that that that's going to come into play eventually. Even though we know this team hasn't needed Blake Tidwell, Blade Tidwell so far, I think they're going to need Blade Tidwell at some point uh, because of that, uh, because you do have to have depth in baseball. And then this team just has uh, has power again, leading the nation in home runs by a wide margin. Uh, you know, and they haven't even gotten really a lot of that from Drew Gilbert so far. That's the amazing thing to me is he's and, been and, and only five from Beck. Yeah, so so this this team can do better. <laughs> as, as crazy as it sounds, uh, I mean, who who saw Trey Lipscomb beam? I, I certainly did. Maybe you knew you probably knew more about him than I did. West going I, I into this year, I thought he would be better than people thought and I thought he would be a good player I did not think he would do this I can't sit here with a with a straight face and tell you I thought he would do this I mean the guy played 11 games in three years and now he's he's the he's the leading home run hitter on the nation's best power hitting team so uh really really impressive what they've done so far can't say it enough I mean again winning four out of six or five out of six over two weekends at Ole Miss and Vanderbilt would have been a, a resounding victory to, to sweep all six is crazy. To sweep all six and really only be seriously challenged in what one of those games is just mind-boggling. So, yes, this run will probably end at some point. You know, where will they finally run into some adversity? How will they handle it? All, all that's to, to be determined and, and the, the long way to go. But if, if you're looking at a, for, for a reason to be optimistic as a Tennessee fan, there, there are plenty of reasons to think this team could absolutely win, win the whole thing uh, the way they're playing right now. And we'll, we'll see if they can keep it up, but Hey, there's a fun weekend for Tennessee fans. Not, not too often. You can go into uh, really your, your biggest rival in baseball for sure. No matter how you feel about Vanderbilt and other sports, I think there's no question Vanderbilt's their, their biggest rival in baseball, especially given what Vanderbilt has done yeah. over the past decade to go into that place on the road and have a weekend like that. Uh, I'm sure Tennessee fans are just on cloud nine right now, knowing how that how that felt and especially how contentious it was at the start of the weekend with that home run uh, being wiped off the board uh, with the with the controversial uh, bat inspection sticker missing uh, from Jordan Beck's bat and and everything that now carries over to the SEC tournament. I can't wait for the SEC tournament now and potentially the College World Series to see Tennessee have to go through Ole Miss and Vanderbilt again. We know there's bad blood with Arkansas like. This is just going to be a lot of fun to see because Tennessee is has positioned itself to be not just the team with the target on its back, but the target team with the target on its back and a villain at that. And and just how fun are some of these games going to be 
when the stakes are really high at the end of the season. Yeah, and, and to think about what they did, we, we, we've talked about how Tidwell threw, uh, did not throw at all against Vandy, has thrown one inning this season. So Tennessee did what it did against Ole Miss and Vandy without Tidwell, uh, did it without Halverson. And uh, Jared Dickey, who, by the way, is the leadoff hitter on this team, also has seven home runs, only had one pinch hit at bat in the entire series at Vanderbilt. The leadoff hitter, the the fire starter for that team, uh, the redshirt freshman Jared Dickey, who's a great story, he has a bone bruise in his foot and only had one at bat the entire weekend. And, and they've got guys there on that bench. Like every game, they got to figure out, how can I get Seth Stevenson some opportunities? How can I get uh, you know Christian Moore some opportunities? And how can I get Blake Burke some opportunities? Because these guys are good enough to start and be top top three hitters just about anywhere. And at least one, if not two of them, cannot start in, in every game. And they just have really tough decisions to make there. And, and that, with all that said, Logan Chambers – who a lot of us thought would be a guy who started every day and maybe played left field third base for this team. He got off to a bit of a cold start. That was a huge junior college prospect and a guy who still could get in there and get hot and be one of the best hitters on that team. And he has not uh, really done anything this season. The fact that they're not playing the very best they can play and they're doing this is a staggering thought. And I, I point blank asked Tony on Sunday there in Nashville, I, I said, you know, what would you say to people who, who worry that this team might be peaking too soon? And he just kind of laughed and he said, well, if anyone had that belief, uh, I, I, would, I would say to them, have you watched us bunt? Um, so start there and uh, look at all the things we could do better starting there. And there are other things. And he started listing things they could be doing better. And you think – you know, I, I, I can believe that. And then Drew Gilbert comes out and says, among the stomping on Vandy's throat and their fans' throat thing, that was, that was classic Drew Gilbert. But he also said, as long as Tony Vitello is the coach of Tennessee, there will be no such thing as complacency. And if you remember how dominant Chase Dolander was in his Saturday start and the fact that Vitello was not really seriously but still kind of razzing him that he had that leadoff walk in the ninth – saying, hey, you're only as good as your last rep, right, Chase? And just kind of – and everybody giggled, but he also kind of looked at him like, I mean that. You can be better. Um, it's just been interesting to be a part uh, of this and, and, and from the outside, um, but with kind of a close seat to what they're doing um, because they are – they are really – they love being a villain. Like, they love this. In their mind, Ryan, they thought there was kind of a good old boys established order in the SEC – and Tennessee wasn't in that group, and that Tennessee doesn't get respect because it hasn't been in that group in a while, and people didn't want Tennessee to get back into that group. So their mindset is, okay, if you're going to lock the door, we're going to take a sledgehammer and knock it down. We're going to kick it down. We're going to come in here, and you're going to listen to us, and you're going to like it. And that is the way, that sort of chip-on-the-shoulder mentality, even though they have as much or more talent than any of these teams, they still feel like they don't have the respect of these teams and their fans, and they just love being villains. They love this stuff. And they, they really seem to take on the personality of their coach in a lot of ways. Not to say that Tony Vitello, if he was a player, would be out there with the daddy hat and the, and the, 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 the cheetah coat, as they call it, uh, or any of that stuff. But I think he, he does have that swagger and, and is willing to say some things. I mean, just like the, the Mike Honcho comment during, uh, during Saturday's game uh, or was, Friday's that, game, I guess was, it was. That, that was legendary. And you could, so, and, so, yeah. and, and you know, people, people today at the game or tonight, Ryan, they will have that shirt because yes. if they ordered it on Sunday. It was two day delivery, so they will have number twenty seven Mike Honcho shirts at the game today or tonight. Yeah, I, I have no doubt and say, and that, and Wes, you, you and I, you know, you, you mentioned it. We've covered a, enough Tennessee baseball games over the years. You know, we were back at, uh, and I know for me, the mid two thousands, for you, early two thousands, probably at Lindsey Nelson Stadium. And if you went to a midweek game uh, in those years or, or, or certainly after in the Todd Raleigh era, you could have counted the people in the stands for some of these games. Yep. Uh, just small, small crowds, especially when early in the season when the weather's bad. They just drew 4,600 people for a midweek game against Western Carolina last week. That, that's what's so mind-blowing to me is that it's not just that people have bought into this team. It's that they have 
so quickly bought into the program. Like when we've seen three other college world series teams since 2005 at Tennessee, not one of them had the carryover effect that last year's team did to this year. And I think Tony Vitello is the difference. I think he's, he's kind of the Bruce Pearl for, for Tennessee baseball. I think yeah. he's got a lot of Bruce Pearl to him and in and, and, and the ways that Tennessee fans embraced Pearl, I think it's for, they see some of the same things in Vitello. He's a bit of a salesman, certainly much more so than, than most SEC baseball coaches are, you know, most college baseball coaches and, and probably baseball coaches at all levels are kind of a little bit boring. You know, they, the, they don't, the, they don't the, like the, to be the, flashy. They're boring slash surly a little bit. Yeah. Yep. So I, I think Vitello is, is not all of those things. Uh, you know, he, he carries himself like a baseball coach. Sure. But he, he also has, has a different, different mindset, a different approach to it. And I think fans love that they've embraced that. And they've, they, again, that this team has some showmanship to it with the whole, the home run celebrations and all that. And I don't think fans, uh, it's, it's the kind of thing fans love and, and, and fans of other teams hate. And so this, but the, the way this fan base has responded though, is just, um, it's unreal. I've always wondered why Tennessee baseball wasn't a bigger draw you know, why you would have more fans at, say, a Tennessee Smokies game, the minor league baseball team, than, than you would at a, t- at a University of Tennessee baseball game. And now that, that's not really the case. I mean, 4,000-plus at pretty much every home game now. Yeah, uh, it's, and, it's crazy. And, and, and every SEC series has been sold out for for a while now, and they're going to have to, and, and Vitello said this, they're going to have to make that park bigger. I mean, and they're going to yeah. spend upwards of maybe $50 million to keep expanding that ballpark and keep improving that ballpark. And hopefully, hopefully baby Jesus, please put in an elevator in that press box. <laughs> that would be so nice. Those, uh, those stairs are rough. Yeah. Oh my God. Especially if the weather's bad. I'm like, Oh, just give us an elevator. But uh, yeah, I mean, no. but in all seriousness, like they've added the second deck of porches, they've added those more seats down left field, but they're going to have to add more porches, more seats in the outfield. They're going to have to extend uh, the press box sort of like down to, you know, through both sides. Cause they, they have there's right now, a press tent right there in the concourse kind of for overflow press seating because there's just not enough press seats in the box to hold these people. And last week, Ryan, you'll get a kick out of this. I won't mention names or anything, but there were several reporters who either showed up right before first pitch or in the first or second inning of the game because for for a long time they got used to parking at a certain time, arriving at a certain time, and uh, they couldn't get to the, the park. They couldn't, find a, they couldn't find a place to put their cars. Uh, that that that's how crazy it's been. They couldn't that they, they couldn't park close enough to get to the stadium in time. I mean, that's nuts. That that is, and and remember what last year was like during the the super regional. You know, if this team has another postseason run in it, I can just imagine what it's going to be during that. Considering that you're already selling out every SEC game and a lot of midweek games, it's it's just crazy. But uh, on the baseball front, though. It seems to me that the one thing that's the least sustainable, and, and I could be feel free to disagree, but the pitching to me just seems so otherworldly right now that I don't know how they can sustain it. I mean, they've been great. Dolander's striking out a lot. Chase Burns looks like a high end talent that's going to get drafted early. Yeah, he's striking he, out a lot. He could be he could be pick one round one in two years. Yeah, he really could be absolutely. Uh, Drew Beam doing great as a freshman, but his strikeout rate not quite the same as the other two. But if I I mean, he's not walking a lot, though, at all. Only six walks and 41 innings. So if you had to pick one thing that, about this team that might run into some trouble eventually, to me, that would seem to be it, just because eventually, every once in a while in the SEC, you're going to get knocked around a little bit. Am I wrong about that? Do you think the lineup is more likely to fall off? Or no, what, no, no. Which no, of these I, I, is more sus- the the pitching to me is the more is the thing because you look at the numbers, and I've posted them a couple of times, um, but they are – it's – Pretty absurd. I'll, let me see if I can go back and find it here. A professional would have had it a long time ago. Let's see where it was. Come on, Wes, you can find it. But here it is. But for yeah. the ERAs, I mean, Chase yeah. Burns has a one one five ERA, and Drew Beams at point eight eight. I mean, that's yeah, crazy. It, yeah, Burns is six and oh one point one five ERA, zero point seven nine WHIP, fifty two strikeouts, ten walks, opponents hitting one fifty four. Chase Dolander, 5-0, 2.58 ERA, 0.78 whip, 60 Ks, 8 walks, opponents hitting 159. Drew Beam, 6-0, 0.88 ERA, 0.46 whip, which is stupid. That means in, in like it, not even one base runner allowed every two innings. That's what that means. That is stupid. 
29 Ks, 6 walks. Opponents hitting 098 against him. I don't care how good you are in this league. That that cannot be sustained for the course of a full season. It just can't. Like guys, and, guys will they will run into a couple of games that that will make that rough. But here's Ryan. Here's the crazy thing. Um, you know, you talk about you know all the options they have coming off the bench and all the velocity, all the stuff this team has at the yeah. end at the end of the line at the end of games. You got a left-handed closer who throws an 85 mile an hour fastball, but he has a career career 1.63 ERA in five years a career 1.63 ERA in 88 career appearances and that's the guy at the end of the line when you need something at the end of a game and a guy who is just not really he's not flappable and I'm talking of course about Redmond Walsh the native of uh, Alcoa right there just just where the airport is basically right next to Knoxville so basically a Knoxville kid and then you got Sewell and and you know obviously Ben Joyce the 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 freak show that he is the Human Torch the volunteer fireman whatever you want to call him but this team is like if you'll notice it like uh, the pitching ninja who's one of the best people on social media Rob Friedman uh, works for ESPN also j- just basically just shows pitching videos all the time and highlights he he's like uh, he he shows Tennessee pitchers by far more than any other college staff and it's not even close. And even uh, the other day, uh, they, they he showed some Chase Dolander videos, and uh, Marcus Stroman, who who pitches for the Cubs, who spent years with the Mets, said that Chase Dolander might have his favorite mechanics of any pitcher in baseball. How effortless and how smooth he is, and repeatable, and it, it's ridiculous. But yeah, they they can't keep this clip up, Ryan. There's no way. Uh, and they've allowed six. Those three starters have allowed a combined six home runs in 118 and a third innings. That's <laughs> I mean, that, you're not going to keep that up. I mean, the strikeout rate, all that r- remarkable, I, that that can probably be repeated. But, yeah, the batting averages against the home runs, some, some at some point you're probably going to run into some some difficulty there. But even then, they've got the lineup to offset that in some games. So I, I'm, I'm going to be fascinated to see just how, how soon they lose a game again because it will happen, but it, it still might be a while because the SEC schedule only gets easier now going forward. Yeah, and the last thing I want to say about this before we move on to talk recruiting at the end here, because we're already running up against it on time here. Uh, I got to get to the dang stadium today for for one. I don't want to park eight eight miles away. Um, But what I saw last weekend on Friday night uh, was one of the ballsiest things I've ever seen any team do in any sport that I've ever covered. Because after Beck had his home run taken off the board in the first inning. And again, they got that bat back after the series. There's been a lot of reports out there that are simply erroneous. Uh, Tennessee, that bat, got, that bat stayed in the uh, umpire's room the rest of the week, and then Tennessee got it back at the end of the series. And if it passes inspection today, Beck will use the same bat today if it passes inspection. It's not the only bat that did not pass the pre series uh, inspections last week was a Vanderbilt bat. They had one, Tennessee had none. Uh, And what happens is Tennessee's, and I've heard other guys like Stephen Schock from D1 Baseball, other guys said that the stickers are fine, but they go on to like pine tar and things like that, and they can come off, and sometimes they do, and that's just what happens. So it's a he said, he said story there, but the bottom line is a lot of things out there are not true. Uh, And on top of that, the second inning when Luke Lipschitz hit his home run, and he crossed home plate and immediately asked for the bat and about five feet away from the home, bait, home plate umpire did a mock inspection of the bat and then went and did his home run celebration. And that night when we talked to Beck, who almost never says anything, but Beck's like a very – he's almost like Hendon Hooker. He goes through it really, really quietly. His interviews, he's just professional. He doesn't say much. He came out and said – you know, give us wooden bats. We don't care. And I'll be honest, that team over there, we're not surprised. We, we expect that stuff. Uh, let's just put it this way. We don't like that team. And a lot of people were saying, you're kind of poking the bear. You're kind of poking the bear. But they went out and they won the next two days too. The, it, it was one of the ballsiest things I've seen, and it's just kind of the mentality that this team has. And, Ron, I'm sure you saw the mock bat inspection. Um, but this team will do that stuff. They will get in your face, and they don't care. They just don't care at all. Yeah, it's it's only to me. It's only going to put more of a target on their backs going into the postseason. I, I mean, as they continue to to go through the SEC, they're 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 making themselves uh, 
a, a prime target and, and, and someone that everyone is going to be aiming to, to take down, which they will be anyway because they're the number one team in the country. But uh, <laughs> it's putting yourself in a pretty tough position. You're, you're going to get heckled on the road everywhere you go at some of these tough places in the SEC or uh, you know, even in, in Omaha, if you get to that point, you're going to hear a lot from opposing fans. It's, they, they don't care. They, they, they have a swagger and a confidence about them that, that again, uh, I think comes from Tony Vitello, but you know, it's just, uh, they've got some unique personalities on, on this team and, you know, pure, true baseball people aren't going to like some of what they do. And, and this team, I, I they don't care. And, and I think fans are, are only going to love them more for it. And fans of opposing teams are going to hate them more for it, but it's, it's going to ruffle some feathers along the way. And it's going, it's probably going to make life difficult for them at some point, you know, but it's uh, this team, again, they've got the talent to back it up. So in the meantime, they're going to keep enjoying themselves. But I think that is one of the reasons this team probably is capable of fighting through some adversity because they have so much belief in themselves. That they're not worried about what other, pe- other people think. And I, I think sometimes people say they don't care. I think this team truly doesn't care what other people think. I think they're just, they're enjoying all of this. And uh, they're just, some of these guys who've been around for a few years, like Trey Lipscomb, like Drew Gilbert, they're just, they're glad to be a, a part of a program that's having this kind of success. And, and I think they're, they're amazed just like everybody else by how much this program has changed. And they're, they're just out to prove the world to the world that Tennessee is, is no longer an also ran in baseball. Yeah, and uh, Beck just took uh, he he just took Drew Gilbert's bat the rest of the weekend and hit about six missiles with that bat. So he did, just didn't really matter. Uh, it's been interesting, and we'll have plenty more to talk about them in the coming weeks. They're obviously going to be a big part of this podcast for the next couple of months. Uh, so we'll keep talking about that. Ryan, before we get out of here, though, on recruiting, uh, we know that spring games or, or spring you know, Tennessee didn't have a spring game this spring, but we know that weekends in the spring are always big for recruiting. Uh, you get guys coming in town. You get visitors. There, a lot of a lot of big time guys. A lot of, it's a big time where you're kind of setting the table for what's to come. So, what what's happening with the Vols this weekend and with recruiting and how are things going there? Yeah, it should be a big weekend for Tennessee. You know, you mentioned it's not it's not officially a spring game, but they're kind of calling it that. Um, so, so regardless, they they will be. Uh, making the most of what is a, I guess, a modified spring game and trying to make this their big weekend. I don't think you're going to see quite as many, not quite the volume, the sheer volume of visitors that you would have for a spring game. And some of that's logistics. You don't want to have necessarily 200 kids there for an indoor uh, indoor event. You don't want it to be too crowded where you can't spend time with important targets. But the, but a lot of the targets who are in going to be in town will be important ones. And we know a couple of official visitors as of right now scheduled to be among them. Uh, starting with, uh, with with five-star wide receiver Carnell Tate uh, from IMG Academy in Florida. He'll be in town, and part of the reason this is important for, for Tennessee, uh, Nico Iamaleava is going to be back in town uh, to, to hang out this weekend, and uh, his his seven-on-seven team will be will be with him. They're, they're going to play in a seven-on-seven tournament out at Farragut this weekend while they're in town. So Nico will be around to, to help recruit uh, Carnell Tate and also – Kyler Casper, a four-star four top 247 prospect at wide receiver from out in Arizona. He's the son of former NFL wide receiver Kevin Casper, if you mm-hmm. have followed the NFL for a long time, probably remember seeing him. Um, so, so those two guys kind of headline the list, those two official visits. But uh, Trayon Webb, as of right now, still expected in, a four-star running back from Florida. Uh, Tennessee been trying to get him on campus for a while now. That looks like it's going to happen this weekend. Uh, and then Hunter Osborne, a highly ranked defensive lineman from Alabama, also planned to be in this weekend, uh, along with another top 247 prospect, Lucas Simmons, uh, offensive tackle from Florida. So that's just a sampling, but some, some big-time talent expected in this weekend should be a good uh, opportunity for Tennessee. And then some important guys who are maybe getting closer to decisions, Sylvester Smith, the four-star safety from Alabama, and Nathan Robinson, in-state defensive lineman uh, from over at Greenbrier High School just uh, outside of Nashville. Those two guys, I think, getting closer to decisions. So this weekend, important for, for Tennessee to continue to, to, to maybe make a move with those guys. We'll see exactly when they decide to, to make decisions. But I think those are two guys Tennessee certainly has some momentum with. And this weekend could, could maybe go a long way toward, toward helping Tennessee land one of those guys in the, in the not-too-distant future. So we'll, we'll see how things go this weekend. But it's certainly an important weekend for Tennessee, especially with those two wide receivers that obviously a lot of people will be pay, uh, paying attention to those visits in particular. Yeah, big weekend for Tennessee, big 
And again, it's an interesting spring, so things are a little bit different in some ways. But um, you know, the end the end result of that is having a more modernized Neon Stadium with some more uh, amenities and things for fans. So it, it's sort of a, a small sacrifice to make for something that Tennessee has needed to do for several years now. So uh, there's no good time to do it, um, but there is a better time than others, and this was the better time to do it so lots of stuff to talk about we will have much more later in the week we'll have much more in the weeks to come and and of course uh, you never know i mean recruits uh, they they could decide anytime and anytime they do we'll have an emergency pod a breaking news edition of this podcast but uh, i think ryan we've gone way over on time which may not bother anyone but uh is still something that i've noticed so uh unless you got anything else i think we need to get out of here i think it's a good place to leave it thanks wes all right appreciate it ryan thanks man Let's see. Can I find that button? There it is. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Thanks to Ryan and to Pat for being here. We really, really appreciate that. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan's Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. If you want to get Tennessee news and nothing else in your feed, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247 where we have lots and lots of updates all day, every day, pretty much one thing an hour every single day of the week, all kinds. And even on Saturday and Sunday, we don't care. We work weekends. That's part of the business in this business. We'll be there. Twitter.com slash GoVols247 and Facebook.com slash GoVols247. But the most important place to be, if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the tap, go get that at GoVols247.com. The best site on all of Al Gore's internet for coverage of Tennessee football basketball football recruiting basketball recruiting tennessee baseball tennessee baseball recruiting tons and tons of stuff women's sports maria cornelius does an excellent job covering all things lady vols for for us congratulations to them for getting to the sweet 16 and kind of getting that program overcoming some injuries and getting that program closer at least uh, to the place a lot of people expect it to be also a big transfer in from mississippi state so tons and tons of news there as well, you can get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That's all that it costs, and that's after a seven-day free trial. So go to GoVols247.com. For all of that, you get all that stuff that I just mentioned, plus plus access to two forums that run around the clock, uh, Tennessee fans around the world. They're, they're in pretty much every time zone that exists on planet Earth, and they're talking on the checkerboard and the summit on GoVols 24-7. You can go there and talk about anything that is not political or religious in nature 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We, the staff, are on there. We're, we're each on there making, what, seven, 800, whatever post it is a month. We're there all the time. So go there, and if you do that, you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. And on top of that, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, the behemoth of a streaming platform that is being built uh, by Viacom CBS. You get everything in the CBS catalog, every show ever made commercial free, tons of exclusive shows that are only there. Award winners like, you know, Evil, Picard, uh, you know, 1883, uh, Mayor Kingstown, so many great shows that are on just on there. Also, everything, uh, you get CBS Catalog, you get uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, Smithsonian, Nickelodeon, also new movies, old movies, live sports, including the Vols, SEC stuff, uh, NFL, uh, PGA Tour, uh, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, all of that, Serie A soccer, World Cup qualifiers, guys, all of it is on Paramount+. And we give that to you for free. No one else can do that. We can. So, guys, until then, uh, you should hear from us here in just uh, about a couple of days from now. So, until then, be good to each other. Uh, Thoughts to the people out in Ukraine. The world is awful, and it shouldn't be. Have basic human empathy for each other. Please, see ya.